whatever you're saving up for. A CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 5.00% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash Breakaway today or right now to subscribe and support the show, a show we do every week about the New York Rangers. Get access to our BSBOTs, our bonus episodes, our nonsense, our Discord, our ad-free episodes, all the good stuff, and support this show. Today, Greg and I talk about how it's probably not time to panic. Have you heard this before? Have you read this? And uh, talk about the power play and a lot more. So without further ado, let's get to Mark Messier and get to the show because we have two weeks until the NHL playoffs and the real fun begins. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Butcher Break events. Welcome to another week of the Butcher's Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan. I mean, I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan, high school musical extraordinaire. Gregory, how are you? Yeah, buckle up. We, we <laughs> listen. There are the Mets have played baseball. The Rangers have played hockey. That don't, don't, there you go. Podcast over. Uh, what the people just, really want. before before you go is it sick that we really could just end it there? <laughs> no, we can't really end it there because I have too many hot takes. About the latest High School Musical I saw, and I, I people need to buckle up. This is very important. This is some of the most important journalism I've ever done in my career. I, I, I think this is true. So, this week, uh, the the coup de grace of the High School Musical uh, circuit circuit tour that I did here with our friend Gina. Yes, um, we did Mean Girls at Boston Spa. And Can't I'm going believe this to, saga is still going. <laughs> I'm going to specifically say Boston Spa because two things. Two things are true simultaneously here, Ryan. I'm gonna, let's start with the bad before the good. Mm-hmm. Mean Girls does not need to be a musical. In fact, I think it's actively bad. Did they say the line, you can't sit with us? Yes. Okay, that's all that matters. They, they say the limit does not exist. You can't sit with us. Is butter a carb? Like, they check all the boxes. But it's just, the second I left the auditorium, there wasn't a single song that I could even, like repeat which is not the purpose of a musical we're two weeks away from the playoffs someone's tuning in for the first time like (laughs) hey this is the new york rangers number one podcast what's going on with this oh i like the way the kid line played over the weekend what (laughs) mean girls should not be a musical i think it's actively bad as a musical that's my take on the selection of the performance tell me tell us the good before we get to the rest of the show these kids are professionals ryan whoever played (laughs) The kid who played Damien is a goddamn star. Like I, I don't, I don't have words for how incredible this junior. He's, he's. I, I have never. Been <laughs> I love how we're talking about this like a recruiting class, like it's college well, football. Because, he's I, a five star recruit. I, I literally said to Gina afterwards. I was like, we get to see him twice next year. Like I, I have, <laughs> I have season tickets. <laughs> to Boston Spa's troop. This like, is insane. All the way in. I, oh, I also, God. her and I, we were talking about it, and I'm, I'm like, 
I was five percent positive I should just bring <laughs> Gina on the show today to break this on down. We can't. I do this. think I think they chose Mean Girls simply to accentuate the things that that kid does best. We're like, how do, how do we play to our team's talents? No, I, I, like, I was left breathless. Also, things that I really like from Boston Spa, they have their own pit orchestra, which also was incredible. I always were, respect that. I yeah, wasn't backstage myself. No, Ryan, no errors from the pit. There wasn't, like, a, a note missed. They it, Not like night two of WrestleMania. A lot of botches. Bang, so good. bang. We'll get to that. I was really impressed with the pit. And then finally, Ryan, it was our third show. Uh, Gina was going to murder someone if there wasn't a standing ovation for how well these kids did. She went for it? There, there was a standing ovation. We, nice. We got one finally. Um, nice. Congrats. Thank I, Congrats I really... to the kids. Um, I guess now we're three minutes into the show. Do you want to talk about the Rangers? I'm not, I just I want it. Again, Damien, I, I will get his name because we did steal a program. Uh, we were supposed to give it back. We'll give him like, his kudos and no, hopefully that, uh... that kid, Ryan fucking star. I, I am. I <laughs> ten years from now we'll be doing this stupid podcast. Like, remember that kid we talked about? I'm going to get him on the. What are you talking about? I'll get him on the show. We're interviewing him. Okay. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to be. No, we got to remember the, the month of August is a desolate it, wasteland. It is. Yes, we try and take vacations and stuff like that. Yeah, All right. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk to Damien in August. I so the show the performance from Boston Spa. 12 out of 10. These kids are uh, incredible. I, I'd say the top five performances of the three shows I saw all belong to kids in the Boston Spot troupe. However, Mean Girls stinks as a musical. That, that, that is, I, I'm excited to see them do a good show. That, that is where I landed after that show on Saturday. When we, when we last left our heroes, the New York Rangers, uh, when you recorded last, they have beaten the Blue Jackets 6-2. And then on a Thursday and Friday trip, they lost a close game to the Devils. And then they lost to a rookie goaltender in his first start. Stop if you've heard stop if you've heard that before in Rangers history. It's happened almost every single time. And the Sabres beat the Rangers 3-2 in overtime. The world was coming to an end. Everybody was sick to their stomachs. Is this team good enough? How does the chemistry not there? I don't understand the power play. And then uh, Gerard Glant came out and said, I don't understand why we were not playing. They clinched, and it seems like they've stopped playing. And great observation, Gerard Glant, because I agree with you. They do not care. They do not. And they had to show they cared, but they came out and kicked the crap out of the Capitals, of which the Capitals tried to start a lot of shit to no avail. Tom Wilson left the game. The Raiders win 5-2, and the children are the sole reason. And honestly, the children have been the best line for the Rangers for over a week and a half now. Uh, I think that's all the takeaways there are. The power play worked a little bit in goal five with Mika Sabinajad. And I, I was thinking about this for the last two weeks. With the power play, Greg, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, everything has to just run through Mika Sabinajad. And I understand that it's predictable. I get that. But the primary goal scorers on this team, people who are, are reliable and are going to get you goals in the playoffs, are Chris Kreider and Mika Sabinajad. And outside of that... Like, as long as they're on Power Play 1 and Adam Fox, I really don't care what else is there. I know that sounds so absolutely batshit insane when Tarasenko, Kane, Panarin are on this on this team, etc. So so much talent. But as long as those three are there, I think that's your key to success on Power Play 1. Yeah, I, before we dive into the specific areas of this team, I, there, there was a quote Adam Fox told Molly over the weekend after the Buffalo game that I think is really important and just about summarizes everything that the New York Rangers are going through, how the New York Rangers are playing, etc. Uh, Molly's tweet, I asked Adam Fox how def- difficult it is 
to not look ahead to the playoffs. Quote, yeah, definitely. I think that was kind of our problem at the start of the year, maybe a little bit too. You come off a playoff run, you just want to get back to that, but you've got to play 82 games. We're still fighting for seeding here, and these games are important. Points matter throughout the year, all 82 games. You can kind of look ahead and get a little excited, a little ahead of yourself, but we still have some business to take care of. That essentially, to me, confirmed everything that I had seen on the ice uh, leading up definitely to the Washington game, which is that the New York Rangers don't give a shit. They don't and, care. And, like, and I don't mean, I don't say that derisively. I don't say that in a derogatory term. Like, um, uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, didn't, I don't. It, it, it just I don't. The I, don't mean, I don't mean to be a meanie, but guess what? They don't give a shit. Yeah, that, but I'm not even being mean about him. I think it's the honest to god truth. I think he says the last part there, being like, you know, all these points matter. We're still fighting for seating. They're not really like I, they're just they're just not really. Even if they beat the Devils, like you're, eh. Again, I, I said this on our playback stream. I said it on podcast, and I'll keep repeating it. I don't care where Game Seven is against the Hurricanes or the Devils. Those are games that will feel like home games. The Rangers are trying to figure out if they're playing the Hurricanes or the Devils, and that is it. They cannot move their third spot. They would need to win out, and other teams would need to lose. It would be very, very hard for them to get first overall uh, seed in the Metro. Yeah, it is worth noting that going into the Devils game, if the Rangers got into two points, they would have been tied on points with the Devils, and then that opens up a door of possibility. Right, and they they didn't. Whatever. Yeah, that's that's my point. Now they're pretty much third. If it, it, whatever, I, I just, I don't think this team truly cares right now. And that's not a bad thing. I don't, I, I think I'd much rather, would you much rather be the team finding their stride heading into the playoffs? Like having more games like they had against Washington, where they, they come out early, um, they, they put their foot down, they get to it, they get the lead, and then they coast for the most part. I'd much rather have those games from now until the end of the year than like the Rangers on an unsustainable hot streak. I, I'd much, much rather have um, them just not give a shit. I, I don't care. Yeah. I, I don't and, care uh, at all. I, now, so, there, are things, there are things we can pick apart, and I know you brought up the power play. We'll get there eventually. Yeah, I think will. it's worth talking about. Uh, there's a difference between not giving a shit and how bad the Rangers have looked in first periods up until they don't the Washington game. At all. Yeah, uh, they, they had to cut, and that's that's been a trend all year. That's not new. No, and it, and I mean it was a trend. We used to get on David Quinn a shit ton for how quickly the Rangers would give up goals within the first three minutes of a hockey game. Well, and what was it like during that streak? They had to come back. They didn't have a lead for like eleven games or whatever it was. Something like that. Yeah, it's, it, it, there are two ways you can look at it. Okay, there. Yep. There's the one way where. Yeah, the Rangers don't give a shit, but like you could try a little. Um, and then there's the other one where I don't – as I would love to, absolutely love to. I, I mentioned David Quinn because when the Rangers were giving up goals so quickly on what was pretty much a fairly bad team, I think you look to the coaching staff for not preparing his team for that, night, that night's contest. I, I, I think that was a symptom of bad coaching giving up goals as quickly as they did because it would be goals against guys like Steve Kampfer who were on the ice for some reason. That to me is a symptom of coaching. And as much as I would love to shit on Gerard Gallant and not put this on the players, these first periods, again, pre Washington, I think that's squarely on the dudes on the ice. I don't think, I think the coaching staff is trying every fucking thing possible to get these guys to care 
on a nightly basis uh, in these games where, again, the Rangers aren't moving up. They aren't moving down. This is it. They've done it. They are the three seed in the Metro. And we're going to feel we're probably going to be a slight favorite in whoever we play in the first round. That's just a fact of life. And the problem of this fact of life is the players know that this is a fact of life. And the players also know, again, the majority of this roster played 20 hardcore playoff games last year. Not just regular playoff games. Yeah. Absolutely insane games. But then also the guys the Rangers have added at the deadline – Mott was here for the 20 games in which he played injured. Jimmy VC is just happy, kind of in this happy-to-be-here mindset of it. Tarasenko and Mikola were on the cup-winning Blues team from 2019. And Patrick Kane's got three of those motherfuckers. So, like, the Rangers brought in guys who understand that, like, I'm not going to put my foot on the gas pedal even a little because I'm going to have to be pedaled to the metal in three weeks, and I have no interest whatsoever in dragging myself to play that extra 5% on a night against the fucking Buffalo Sabres because it's just not important to me. And I I understand that mindset, and I do trust this team to a certain extent to be able to flip the switch because now they've all been there and they all know, and the, the only line I would worry about not being able to flip the switch are the kids – and the boys to men line is better. Well, the boys to men right now is absolutely right. insane. So that that to me is even more of me just being like, cool. Then I got nothing to fucking worry about. I'm not worried about this top six. They've all been there. They've all done it. Trocheck lost to the Rangers in the playoffs last year, so he knows exactly what it's going to be. And Trocheck has looked the best of maybe the six of them. Yeah. So like, yeah, I understand it, and I get Gallant's frustration. I can't put it on Gallant. I wish that the Rangers would play better in this first period. But I got to tell you, like, to me, I think it's just a symptom of a team that knows what the goal is here, and they aren't going to care about a regular season game on a Friday night in Buffalo. They're yeah, just... I, think the la- I think the last game they care about, Greg, is Wednesday. Uh, maybe they, there are some personal issues I'm sure they have against the Lightning. That's, that's, that could be it. I don't, I don't know, because I think even... I think this team is smart enough to know that the Lightning aren't playing well right now. I think the Lightning might tell you Vassie's playing well, but I think the Lightning might not care either. But guess, guess what? They're locked into their match. Oh, they've, they're even more locked in where, like, there's not even a team in the Atlantic that is, I, I you know, the, the Sabres are getting frisky, but there's no fucking chance that the Lightning could move out of third place in the Atlantic. There's also no fucking chance the Lightning could move up to second place. So they, a team that's been there, you know, in in – false playoff scenarios, but they've been there. They've won fake trophies. I respect them. They've won that. some fake cups. Yeah, they've, they've, won, they've won some things that don't count. I get They're it. They're going to play the Leafs. They're playing the Leafs. That's it. So. Yeah, that's it. And they, they understand what that series is going to be like. They understand they need to be healthy for it. So I just, I will excuse them for not caring if they get to 104 points on the season. I, I, I kind of think the this is just my theory. Maybe we'll do a, a section here called Speculation Corner. I, mm. I think this is the last warm-up for both teams. They kind of know they're both good. Let's go out there and play 75% of our game. Just kind of get a warm-up run for the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be the hits like the playoffs are. 
yeah, uh, but it'll at least not, be It's not going to be a boxing match. It's going to be the sparring match before the boxing match. Correct. And uh, I actually asked uh, some of our Twitter followers before this uh, if there's anything other than not to panic. And Guy Ademi, who's been a sh- uh, guest on the show, gave me a couple things. So let's do some speculation on what he asked. Do right. we, what is our speculation on what the lingering update is? I think he's good to go, and I think the Rangers are being smart about it, and they're not going to let him play a game until the last week of the year. I think if he had to play tomorrow, he could. I think he did hurt his shoulder. I think he's mostly good, uh, and especially if he got that good, good NHL juice, which would help his shoulder uh, and have him play, uh, he could, but they're going to wait it out. Yeah, I think I think if the there were points of consequence on the table for the New York Rangers, Ryan Lindgren would be in the lineup. Since there aren't, honestly... I don't want to see Lindgren in a game before Saturday the 8th against Columbus. I don't and Hockey Statline no brings this up, who now works for Blue Shirts Banter, by the way. Uh, uh, talk, talked with Joe on the stream on Friday. Joey That's, F. Yeah. Uh, he brings this up all the time. Maybe one of the most under-discussed stories in NYR history is that Lindgren got hurt in Game 82 last year. And and if if we lose that series versus Pittsburgh, it's it's something we talk about all the time. But it's Probably. Because we yeah. won. And that, but that's also exactly why, like, he should not play. Honestly, probably put him on ice until that home game against Buffalo. Even then, Buffalo fighting for their playoff lives. I don't want to see Lindgren on the ice going against guys that are going to be going 120 miles an hour. I, the more we talk, the more I don't think he should play until the season finale against Toronto. Just give him, give him 15 minutes against Toronto to get his feet under him. Cardio. Like, yeah. like, literally, hey, Lindgren, don't go out there. Don't hit anybody. That's I honestly, against Toronto, I'd go 11-7, where I sit Mika down. Don't play him. Put Harper and Lindgren in the lineup. Let Lindgren play the first period and half the second period, and then give Harper fucking every minute after that. I'm with you. I think that's the way to play it. Uh, next from Guy. Does Kane have another level in the playoffs? I, could we talk about Kane for a minute? Because... I see, I see like a lot of weird comments from people on the internet, which is some are like, wow, Kane is so amazing at hockey. And others like Kane's totally invisible out there. Uh, I'm sort of in the, I believe Kane is very good at hockey. And I think he's added a lot of uh, different verticals to this team and dimensions. And of course he has another level. He could be playing hurt. He could be playing with hip injury, but that doesn't matter because the way he sees the ice is unlike every other player with the exception of Artemi Panarin on the New York Rangers. And uh, I, I think he's been pretty good. Rob Luker shared some fascinating stats today where Kane has been playing his best Love hockey with Kreider, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I would not have guessed when he came over. But that wing pairing has been spectacular under the radar because they aren't putting the puck in the back of the net at a clip like, say, the boys to men line is doing right now. But they are doing all the right things, which will and, – and we'll get to Tarasenko because, again, this is – like I, Tarasenko to me is a plant my flag guy at this point. But yeah. Kane, the Kane narrative is exactly what you know. I think we expected it to really be when he got here. The people who don't like Patrick Kane for off ice reasons that are valid and will never get criticism from you or me want Patrick Kane to succeed. And then the yang to that are the Ranger fans that want those fans to just be miserable. So then. There will be fans who are like Kane's the greatest there, I thing. I think there's ever. more of that, though, as well. I think there are people who literally no, but not I, playing well. I'm, I'm a, it's like that old saying where I, I forgot which baseball player said it, where every team wins 54 games, every team loses 54 games, and it's the middle 54 that you really need to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, that, to me, is how I evaluate Patrick Kane. There will be 25% of Ranger fans that think Patrick Kane will always suck. It doesn't matter what he does on the ice. Even if he scores five goals, he should have had six. So that 25% exists. 
And then you got the 25% of Ranger fans that are going to react directly to that 25% that they want a reason to hate, which is disgusting behavior in its own right. So Patrick Kane will never do wrong, and those people are stupid to that 25%. And then there's the 50% that I think you and I find ourselves in, where I, I would say I think the bar for Kane is higher for me than it would be other players in his role because I have just this negative opinion of him as a human. At the same time, I cannot come on this podcast and flame him for anything he's done as a New York Ranger over the past two weeks that isn't also applicable to many other New York Rangers. So I'm encouraged that his partnership with Chris Kreider seems to have found something that is just bubbling under the surface. We're not quite seeing it on the score sheet yet, but it's doing all the right things, creating all the right opportunities, and doing everything you need it to do where in a tightly contested playoff game, you'd want those wings with Trocek between them on the ice, and you're confident and comfortable they're going to create some offense for you. Um, I I, I don't think I'm going to, you know, it's not that, what did did he have, seven goals in three games that stretch in Chicago when he made it clear that he wanted out? The difference here is, like, the Rangers, not only were they not acquiring that player, Patrick Kane knows he doesn't have to be that guy. No, he doesn't. And he can, like, he's, he's, he's going to be ice cold in the playoffs. He's not going to be nervous one time. Right. He's done, it for, he's done it a million times. He's going to be able to lead. Like, you always want that. There are always these people out there that say, I want the veteran leadership. Well, you have two people who have won cups. Two serious players. Uh, and Nico Mikula. And, yeah, of course, and Nico Mikula, who's been awesome. Yeah, well, and uh, also, I... It is even the people that despise Patrick Kane on a human level. You have to understand that the other players in the locker room are human beings too. And if the kids continue to say shit along the lines of that dude's my idol, I can't wait to see how he plays in the playoffs. And it's going to be crazy to be on the ice with him in do or die moments. Patrick Kane's presence is part of the reason why the boys to men line is playing so well because he is leading by example, even if the example is not putting pucks in the back of the net. It's simply being Patrick Kane and Phil Hedo and Alexis Lafreniere look at that and go, oh, fuck. This I'll is great. Too, man. I, can't, I can't fucking wait to get to the playoffs with this guy because I know what this guy's got in the playoffs. And if I can take my game to just even 80% of what I think Patrick Kane can do, mm-hmm. look out for us. And I, th- that mindset is so important. And again, it's just it's why these games are so unimportant at the end. Well, exact I think Galant kind of knows that too. It's why he's throwing the kids out against the top line. Like he was playing Kako Lafreniere Heedle against Ovechkin's line all game. Because get them the time, get them the experience, get them ready and warmed up. And that honestly they've been playing the best. But not but let not, them, not, let not them just carry them the last go, week. Go one step further with it. Not just have they been playing the best, they are the only three players that feel like they have something to prove, right? The, yep. the narratives around the other nine forwards on this Ranger team are well set and well determined. Maybe we're trying to figure out what center is going to be between the two wing pairings with Panarin and Tarasenko, Kane and Kreider. Maybe. But outside of that, you know what the top six is. And Gallant has said so many glowing things about how confident and comfortable he is with the fourth line that they don't have anything to worry about either. The kids right now feel like they have to be putting up because they feel like it's their ice time. That is the only ice time that will be threatened come playoff time. And they are 1,000% correct. We know that the top six will get their minutes. 
We know that Gallant, late in games for sure, is going to lean heavily on his fourth line. So the only way the kids can fight for more ice time is by being the three dudes who take these games extremely seriously right now. And that's exactly what they're doing. And the Rangers won a hockey game on the back of it against a team that, yeah, they're kind of folding and not exactly the Capitals. Yeah, but we they remember, hate the Raiders. But they're also they wanna, not bad. No, they want, they want to beat the Raiders. Like, yeah. let's not lie. Uh, last thing from Guy. Does Brett stay creative in the playoffs? Oh, he says Igor has found, has Igor found his game. Yes. Uh, yes yeah, Igor found his yeah, game. Before, before his we game. get to Brett, I, I, I want to go back to Tarasenko. Because I, I, I don't know if you feel this way, Ryan. Sure I've I do. never felt more confident in who the guy that's going to be red fucking hot in the playoffs is going to be. I, I saw Colin tweet this out the other day, too. Colin Stevenson of Newsday. I want to give him his credits. Uh, that even though Vlad Tarasenko has not been putting up all these points... His game has been extremely noticeable over the past two weeks. And I agree with Colin. I love the way Vlad's playing for this team. I just know that there's been that lack, quote-unquote, lack of chemistry in the top six, however you want to call it. But Tarasenko is going to rip it up in the first round, and I or the whole playoffs, and I cannot wait to see it. Tarasenko has an edge to his game where I, I think he's a smart enough player that he's heard the whispers that Kane is kind of more than likely here to stay. And I think Tarasenko's like, well, if Kane can bully his way to the Rangers, maybe I can bully my way into their plans too. And I'm going to fucking remind them that I'm Vlad motherfucking Tarasenko. I'm the guy you passed on in the draft to take a fucking pleb at the fence. Yeah. And I'm going to show you exactly what I can do to be that guy. And I think he's he's been the one guy in the top six, to me, that's just been just begging to break out. And I think he's going to time it perfectly where like, honestly, if he scores fewer, if the Rangers get to an Eastern conference final, I'd say Tarasenko has 10 plus goals. I, I, and I will, I will put money on it. Like I am confident. 10 is is an insane number. (laughs) Buddy, I think he's going to be fucking off the walls bonkers. I will go nuts if that happens. I mean, I will go nuts no matter what happens if if they're winning. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I just, he's the one guy in the top six that even with how well it looks like Kreider and Kane are playing together, even with Trocek finding his game and starting to get a little cocky with what he does on the ice, all those things. Tarasenko's the one guy where every time he has the puck, I'm like, that man, dangerous. He's about to do something. Don't let you better not let him do anything. Well, and I, I, I truly, he is my plant, my flag guy. These playoffs, I think he's gonna be outrageous. Can't wait. Uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll actually come back and talk uh, power play and bread with our fr- good friend Connor, and we'll go from there. So let's transition over to him. Hey, but yo, quick it's time to talk about tick pick. Your dear playoffs are two weeks away. Position. You want playoff tickets? Where are you gonna get them? Oh wait. Oh, tick pick. What do you mean? There's Oh, they have no fees? That's why you're using TickPick? Hashtag no fees? Oh, that's interesting. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, they do. Oh, you're asking me. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you. They do have a section where you can go ahead and rank the value of the ticket, like from A plus to C. You don't want those C tickets because they're not good value. But the playoffs are coming. And as since I'm a good friend of yours and, and, and we like each other a lot, you can use promo code, code blue shirts, you know, like the Rangers blue shirts at checkout on the TickPick app. And you get $15 off your first purchase for those playoff tickets you're going to purchase in the next couple weeks because the Rangers are going to the playoffs where the games are really big. So use promo code, code Blue Shirts for TickPick 
And the price you see is the price you get. Again, promo code BLUESHIRTS. Our friends from TickPick, the official ticket sponsor of Blue Shirts Breakaway. Thank you, guys. Let's go, Rangers. Hey, we're back with our dear friend Connor Rogers of NBC Sports. He covers a million things, fantasy football, Mets, Jets, etc. I, I believe you have a Jets podcast that somehow records all the time as well. Connor, you correct me. You tell me. Yeah, you're on it. You nailed it. We don't even have to go further than that. I am. I feel like our Jets podcast is a very similar model on Patreon as you guys, where depending on tier, you could basically hear us talk about, will Aaron Rodgers trade ever happen? <laughs> How often do you want to hear it? Yeah, do you want to hear it every two days? There's a price for that. Do you want to hear it once a week? There's a price for that so yes you absolutely nailed it awesome uh well we invited you on to talk about uh, the new york rangers a team that you actually don't cover it's literally a team you get to enjoy and yes. be a fan of which is great and last week and not that we forgot to talk about this in the open or anything the rangers signed philip Beadle to a four-year uh 4.4 million dollar deal uh connor what was your initial take when the rangers somehow extended philip Beadle on, on a deal like I thought was pretty team friendly. I was so happy, man, especially when you see that number come in and the four years. I, I mean, if you just told me that number, I would have assumed what it was going to be like two, three, two. Yeah, two probably yeah. makes more sense. Um, so the fact it was four years, it just feels like and with Heedle, everybody's always going to be like, oh, it's all about health. But like you put that aside, that contract could look incredible a year or two from now. And, and let's be real, guys, probably a necessity, right? When you look at the numbers that you try to project, I've heard you guys talk about it. A million times months ago. I know you haven't been doing it lately, but the number for Heedle that makes sense that you can still keep Miller. Obviously, Lafreniere will get done um, while not being forced to ship out a Lindgren or a player like that. There's not really a lot of options who they could even ship out. And I won't even get down the road in the conversation of like, well, Kane or Tarasenko stay. But just when you look at it, Heedle, he's shown this year that he can legitimately be not only a middle six kind of center, but maybe a second line center. And at that number and his age and the kind of player he is, I mean, the way he skates, the speed, he shoots the puck. There, This is a great team, but he has kind of that unique calling card that he's a young guy that will always be willing to shoot and skates really well. So I was I was thrilled, guys. Yeah, I'll say this on the Heedle front, because I don't know if it's what we talked about on our OT episode, but I know it's something we I talked about on our playback stream on Friday, where it's still really interesting to me, an interesting being the key phrase, because once again, uh, the National Hockey League, not exactly the world's smartest league out there. But when Dylan Cousins signed his extension and his number was as big as it was, I think Ryan and I definitely on the show was like, well, there you go. It's going to be north of five for Hedo, and it's probably more likely going yep. to be six, especially if he kept scoring at the pace that he did. And even if even with the little, eight, I think it was 18-game stretch he had in there where he didn't score a goal, this is still a 23-year-old who scored 20-plus goals this year. But the thing that continues to blow my mind about the NHL and the thing that I, I can give Chris Drury credit for while also feeling like NHL agents need to do a little better is that NHL GMs have this way of convincing players to sign for the role that they are instead of the role that they could be. So Cousins in Buffalo is a top-line center, either through necessity or talent. He plays on their top line. So they paid him like a top-line center. And then Drury goes to his agent and is like, you're going to ignore that contract because, for me, you're my number three. So you're going to have to take a third-line center pay cut, and you're going to have to be okay with that. And for some reason, Phil and his agent went, that sounds great. We have no notes. I know, right? That's why it was so surprising, I guess. I mean, I think we all sense that he likes it here and he's developed here and there's an appreciation for that, but – it always blows my mind how in hockey 
that goes so much further than any other sport. Like, I obviously cover football day by day, and then I'm kind of half in, like, half fan, half coverage of the Mets. In hockey, it's just totally different in terms of, I don't know if it's hometown discounts, it's everything combined, who you play with, where you like to be. Um, there's just so many different elements to it that can really save you, especially with how much the cap matters in hockey, which is such a headache all the time. So, yeah, it was a pleasant surprise, and the number makes a ton of sense for the Rangers. And I think for Heedle, it caps his upside in terms of what he can make in the future for now. Like in four years, sure, he could have a huge contract. But like you guys kind of hinted at, I mean, if he did a shorter-term deal, that deal could have been a monster in two to three years from now. So for the Rangers, it just feels like on the back end, there's going to be value there that can really eventually open up uh, help for you elsewhere if this cap ever decides to go up in the next four years. I think Drury's pitch was similar to that. He said, look at me because it's been a Jad and what we did. We gave him a five-year deal. It was very team-friendly. He became the player that we all want him to be, and then we paid him out. And yeah. by the way, the Mika contract is still very team friendly, in my opinion. <laughs> so uh, I know it is 8.5, but he, because of Vinajad, and it's got seven more years at this point, but because Vinajad is producing like a top line center all the time. So Phil Filipino will have the opportunity at 27 years old to cash out an eight year deal when the cap has likely gone up. And that was probably the pitch. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how they got him to sign it. Uh, Connor, the playoffs are two weeks away at this point in time. We've been constantly telling people to stop complaining about this team mostly because i don't think they care do you think they care no uh, definitely not um <laughs> i mean i always think back to what was it two days after all the moves and they lost to whoever and Kreider right away was like this isn't a video game like we need time like they hadn't practiced together yet and everybody was like oh my god none of these moves worked and Kreider had the most real quote um, for anybody that's been in that situation that it's like, yeah, chemistry takes time and we have the time. That's why, you know, I loved how early they made the Tarasenko move and it's no secret. Oh, Tarasenko looks really comfortable here now. Well, yeah, they got him early and, you know, Kane has still done good things, but it takes, I mean, they totally shook up two full lines in the front end and then they changed the fourth line, which has obviously been solid. And we all knew that those three would, would do that, their job in that role. And the kid line is going to be the kid line or boys to men line. So I think, listen, I'm not worried. Um, I think what I worry about is what any other hockey fan realizes. Like, this division's loaded, and it's dangerous, and the Devils are obviously really good, and it's not out of nowhere. They've been rebuilding for what feels like 9 million years. And Carolina, despite their injuries, like, they're... I don't know. I, I agree with, like, Greg, I know you do not fear Carolina at all, and I, I can't believe I'm in the confident lane now where I, I kind of feel the same. Like, I'd love to see Carolina in same. round one. I really, yep. really would. I know you guys hammer that home, but they're still a really good team with a system that, you know, gets them a ton of points each year. And, I mean, even whoever the fourth place finisher in this division, like, the Penguins are just always obnoxious, as bad as they've been for a lot of this year. The Islanders play the worst style of hockey in the league, and it, it can work at times, or Sorokin can steal one. So, I mean, do I worry about the Rangers themselves? No, I think they did everything they can to improve. I love watching them. It's been incredible. But I think this is just such a brutal path. And that, that's just the pathway before you see who? The Bruins? Like, it's it's really insane. It's probably the Bruins. And probably yeah. the Bruins, but we know how good the Lightning are in the postseason. And we know the Leafs um, have... We know had, the Leafs. There you we go. know the Leafs. <laughs> like, the Leafs have this piano on their back that they'll never make it past round one. I think for the sake of the salary cap, we all hope they do. But I have no confidence in them to do that at all. I'd sacrifice the, the salary cap. I'd sacrifice oh. the salary cap for the Leafs to continue to lose. I, I just, it I personally funny. get so much joy out of that. It now, is funny. Connor, I, I do think 
not for me to tie everything back to the New York Mets, but if you would allow me for just one second. Please, go ahead. I think there is something to be said for the teams that don't have to treat these final two weeks like a playoff before the playoffs. We, You and I just ex- experienced one of the worst final three weeks of a regular series, regular season that we could ever possibly experience, where there were no off nights, there was never time for us to take a deep breath. It didn't matter that we were going to make the playoffs one way or the other. We had to worry about the Mets and the Braves battling out tooth and nail to see who the hell would win the division. And quite frankly, I think it exhausted both teams. Whereas the Philadelphia Phillies, they righted the ship when they fired Joe Girardi. They, for the most part, had a playoff spot locked up as early as September 1. They knew they were going to get there, and they knew that they had no shot at catching the two teams in front of them. So they got to put their feet up and fucking relax and enjoy the show and get ready for the playoffs and make sure they would be ready for the playoffs. The Mets and the Braves punched themselves to death where they had to face the Padres and the Phillies and they were just no fucking, they, they were out. They were out of energy. They, they ran out of gas way too early. And I, to me, the Rangers are a team that just, they have nowhere to move. This is it. We're done. We're in the playoffs. We'll see you there. We don't even care who we're playing in round one. We're going to be fresher than you. All while the Devils and the Hurricanes are fighting it out to see who actually wins the division. And I think both teams want it because I don't think either team wants to play the Rangers in round one. You'd much rather play the Penguins or the Islanders in round one, even with the the ghosts of Sidney Crosby and Ilya Sorokin haunting that potential matchup but it's a much easier matchup for whichever team doesn't have to play the rangers they know that they are trying they're not taking any nights off whereas the rangers are just like cool man fucking enjoy it we'll see you in new york like we're we're fine i am i crazy for thinking there is some benefit to the rangers not trying to empty the tank these final five games no, I love that point. I don't think it's crazy at all, and I ha- I hadn't really tied the two together. Maybe because of how miserable that end to the Mets season was. It was, it was the fucking worst. It was three the worst. Weeks of my life. They won a hundred and one games, and I enjoyed none of them. Right, that's none what's insane. It's they won over a hundred games, and it was so miserable down the stretch. And you know, the, it felt like since Marte got hurt at the end of the year, the offense just went completely ice cold and flat since that day. Um, and nothing was going right, like you said. And you point out the Braves, like Strider was pretty tired at the end of the season there as well. They were kind of trying to figure certain things out. The Mets, obviously, it felt like the pressure started to mount on them. No, it's it's absolutely spot on. I mean, I was at the first game when Scherzer just got absolutely shelled. And you're just <laughs> you sit- and me both. I, now, uh, oh, why didn't we meet up on that first I, I don't know. I, I think I was so... Uh, so much nerves, and I was guess I was right. Like, you fear the worst, and somehow it was worse than the worst. Um... Yeah, so that so and that series was just awful, and they ran out of gas. And a great season, which should have been a very enjoyable Mets season, ended in you know complete hell. And you're right, this the end of this Rangers year, we've just been sitting here for what a month now, and we're like, yeah, I want them to win, and I want them to look really good while winning, like the Caps game on Saturday. But at the same time, I get over losses so quickly. I mean, I really do. I'm just like, well, it's, I think this team can turn it on for the playoffs, and when you see them play at their best these last couple weeks, not for a full game. Like, they'll come out dead in the first period, and then it's hell in the third period or the other way around. If they really turn it on like that in the playoffs, they are going to be fine because of how deep they are. We know Igor, when he's on his game, is just, I mean, he's Igor. And he is now, by and the he, way. And he really, really is. I mean, you look at that Devils game, it felt like they should have lost by a lot more, and he was out of his mind. And, 
you know, you go back and look at some of the other teams, the goaltending issues that they can run into in the postseason maybe gives you some hope as a Rangers fan if you if you needed it, which I don't know how people, you know, need this hope right now. I think now. there's going to be a couple games here, Connor, in the playoffs where the Rangers just, like, do that thing where they style on teams. Like, it's like a 6-1 so. win. You're like, oh, wow. I mean, I hope it's New Jersey specifically when you watch how hot and cold that goaltending situation has been lately as well. Not against the Rangers, ironically. It feels like it feels like it's the Stanley Cup when the Devils see the Rangers on the ice the way they it play. It is for them. Like, I, yeah, I, they, it really, it's weird. It's another game for the Rangers, but for the it Devils, is. it is. We have, These are our rivals. They've beaten the hell out of us for years. We have to step up. You know why I'm confident, though, guys, too? Or I guess maybe foolishly confident. Keep in mind, this is like the one team I could just truly be a fan of and Go for enjoy. It. Like, Tarasenko has been there in the biggest moment before. Like, he's going to be firing on all cylinders. Kane, we've seen Mika and Kreider do it for this team in the playoffs before. The kid line, all that experience they got last year when they were the kid line, I mean, they're the line the last couple weeks. It feels like they can lean on the most at times when the team is flat. So... I just look at that and go, I know experience gets overblown in hockey at times, but the guys they brought in to add on, especially when you have somebody like Goudreau on the fourth line, I mean, that's just crazy to me where I, I think they'll be they'll be ready, they'll be playing at a totally different level than we've even seen them play down this stretch because the playoffs are just a different animal. And for everybody that you know, was kind of up in arms after they traded Reeves. Like, some people were calling this team soft. I'm like, that not a soft team. Like, when they really need to turn it on, like, not just Truba, and we're assuming Lindgren will be back because we know how physical he can be. But, like, I've seen Tarasenko throw the body around. You guys know how much I love Trocek. Like, everything, every bit of his style of play just screams playoffs. And it's not just, like, win the faceoff and be a good passer. It's physical. He kind of gets under people's skin. Uh, he's always doing stuff after the whistle. He's great on the back check. He's a good defensive center. I, I don't know. It's just impossible not to love this team as a fan and believe in them. And if they fall flat, like Drury has done everything possible to give this team the best shot, no matter how hard the Metro and the East in general is this year. Yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, Connor, you echoed a point I made earlier in the show, which was you have to look at the players the Rangers added at the deadline this year. Where like last year they were adding pieces that made the lineup better but didn't necessarily have that quote-unquote playoff veteran experience that you would need. Kane yeah, is a three-time flat. Yeah. Kane, Kane is a three-time cup winner. Mikola and Tarasenko were on that 19 Blues team that won the cup. Tyler Mott was here for last year's playoff run, so he understands it perfectly. And Vincent Trocek was eliminated by these Rangers in last yeah. year's playoffs. So every player the Rangers like if the only player you can look to and be like, well, that guy doesn't really have the experience that I would really want is Jimmy VC. Like I, I, I feel wonderful. Thank you so much. I can't remember the last time we had a legitimate Barclay Goodrow discussion. I think Feb, was it January? Can I, like, can I tell you Barclay Goodrow very quietly? Uh, I Vincent Trocek Connor for the same reasons. I fucking love him. He's our kind of piece of shit. And I yes. think every good team needs a piece of shit on it. I truly wholeheartedly believe that very quietly Barclay Goodrow also kind of a piece of shit that oh, I kind of look love. at Saturday yeah, like he fucking face washes Tom Wilson and makes him irate oh, man. he knows exactly what he needs to do to piss Tom Wilson off to the perfect point where Tom Wilson gets in trouble with the teacher but not Barclay Goodrow oh I've got to tell class. you it's mass it's amazing like quite quite frankly if I saw that in the playoffs I'd be like I think he's underpaid I but, loved it so much. It was a masterclass of really just being like 
kind of Marchand-ish, where it was just, I mean, he came in high at Ovechkin. Ovechkin swung his stick at him like a baseball bat for 45 seconds, and then they finally stopped it. And then he got that one little swat in on Wilson. And you know Wilson in a game where they're down three goals, he'll just explode. I mean, it's like full roid rage explosion. So it was. if you're a Rangers fan, it's beautiful. And then you get to see the Lafreniere goal uh, on every single highlight reel now going forward, which, I mean, listen, I don't care how bad they are, how flat they are, if they sold at the deadline. Like a real Ranger fan, especially of these, what, last 10 years, you love and cherish when they kick the shit out of the caps. That's how you are. Connor, you cover a lot of different sports here, as we talked about. The Rangers, and I guess most sports as well, and that's kind of why I'm asking, kind of have these times where we have the whipping boy, where it was Goodrow, it was Truba, where it was... But for now, I don't Nikola think... Nikola, at one point. Nikola Poor guy. for like a day and a half. <laughs> it's like, this guy's a bum. We, he hasn't learned our system in two days. I don't understand. Have, have, do other sports do that, or is it just us? Oh, the Met with the Mets is terrific. Do you want to know who today's is, right? Oh <laughs> man, man, Carlos Carrasco. Oh man, it's so bad with the Mets. It's so yeah, bad. No, I, I no, do it's think it's still Eduardo Escobar. He didn't even fucking play today. What are you talking about? It's Carlos you, Carrasco. You know what I'll say though? Why it is different with the Rangers? It's good players. That's what blows my mind. Like, <laughs> like that's like with the Mets. It's like. Okay, I get why like people are pissed, like Tommy Rough, Pham's yeah. hitting leadoff or something like that, and then he he had a great day. But it's just like I I get the at least argument there, man. Covering the Jets on pre and post, like you try to dial it in and be really really fair. But there's back end of the roster players or like the punters shanking punts and like everybody's yelling about it. And it's like yeah hey, yeah I get why you're pissed. It's annoying. It sucks. With the Rangers. I mean, I'm not like deep deep in Rangers Twitter, but I am a big fan that I read enough and see enough. I mean, when people just like, they're like, oh, Mika doesn't care again. Or like, oh, Kreider's invisible. I'm like, what do you expect from these guys over this Dude, long so, of a season? So, I, you know, one of the things we were talking, we we're going to bring up is that uh, Artemi Panarin, one of the things he's been doing this season and actually throughout his career is that he makes a lot of risky passes, which causes these turnovers. And some guys just go absolutely crazy. I, they're like, I, he turned. Ryan, you're missing, you're missing the more obvious one. You, there was a three-week period where people thought Igor Shosturkin was washed. Oh, that was real. Igor Shosturkin. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, like, to Connor's point, like, there were Met fans that probably would have jumped off the Whitestone if Darren Ruff made the team. But even all of them would be like, uh, yeah, Max Scherz is pretty good. <laughs> you know what e- the Igor one I compare to when Sauce Gardner, like, gives up a 15-yard catch, like, once every month? And everybody's posting it and be like, oh, my God, like, Stefan Diggs got Sauce Gardner. Like, Igor has two kind of bad games, and everybody's like, oh, man, you know, Igor's not seeing the puck. Like, last year was a fluke. It's like, th- like that's how good he is that you need to find those moments and capitalize on them. And then he's lights out again for the next three to four weeks, and nobody's talking about the guy anymore. Yeah, Igor's, Igor's insane. He's so good. But, yeah, I mean, Panarin, like, example – I, I think it comes back to that quote from last year, like, love to do stupid shit at the blue line, which was a shot at Glant in a million ways. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they've kind of come to a compromise, again, speculating here as we do on this podcast, where if he backchecks and plays a little bit more defense, he's allowed to do that. And I do wonder if they they kind of, I, I don't think they should, or they're going to ask Panarin to, like, really back in the playoffs again, or is it just like, hey, go out there and be yourself now that you have Kane. Like, we're only going to win if you're fully yourself anyway, so just go for it. Yeah, and I think 
you kind of have to, right? I mean, you have to let a player be himself in that. And it is fascinating with Panarin. I think with Panarin's criticism, it falls in line with like the Kane criticism. Like there's an aesthetic reason to like their haters a little bit when they, when they have a turnover, it, it like people think it looks lazy or just careless or anything like that. But it's their style of play and how natural they are moving around the puck and their hands and everything. So, I mean, with Panarin, we've seen this before too. Like there's a risk element to his game and, I think the Rangers have enough players, especially, you know, in that top six that you can allow him to take risk, right? Because you just have like freaks around him at times like a Zibanejad or, you know, we see Kreider turn it on in the playoffs as well, how much they can do defensively and how much they can help out there that, I mean, you don't want to hamstring a guy from being himself. That's what makes Panarin special. It's a reason he has the contract he has. And when you start to try to tinker with a guy like that, it feels like it gets in his head and it just ends up being a negative. Connor, let me play good vibes, bad vibes with you mm. for a quick second. Because uh, I, 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 there are different ways to phrase this question, but I'm pretty sure we all, like the, uni- the, the answers feel universal, so I'm going to do it this way. My guess is in the good vibe category, the things you like most right now, right before the playoffs, I would say the children playing as well as they are and Igor playing as well as they are. Is there a third category you would put under good vibe in your eyes yeah for me it's it's Tarasenko being comfortable to just shoot at any moment like we needed to get there and with a new team and he to be fair for the most party shot there's been a few instances but for me it's Tarasenko having this confidence of okay my shot is so good it doesn't matter when I have the opportunity let it rip because we know this team can overpass at times because they're such a gifted bunch of passers but you need that kind of alpha shooter, especially on the right wing, that's done it in the postseason before at the highest level. He's he's a big-bodied player um, that he can be physical in the corners as well. It's just everything about Tarasenko's game. I love the player, and I think it'll really, really shine in that postseason as well. And, you know, going back to what you said about the kids, like, a little bit in line with them. Like, you look at Kako having seven shots in the last two games. Like, are, the, are they all going to start to shoot a lot confidently as well? That would be a big game changer. But the third one is definitely for me, Tarasenko. And then bad vibe category. Do you have one outside of just being at least slightly concerned about Ryan Lindgren's health? Okay, yeah, that was where I was going to point to, but that's just too easy, right? Yeah. <sighs> Man, it's a good one. It's okay if the answer is no, because quite frankly, there again, has- as Ryan and I say on this team, they're really fucking good, and like I'm not really worried about a lot of things. I guess Kane's skating right now. Like I know he's an incredible passer. He can still shoot. His vision's unreal. I mean, he's still a good player. There's times, and maybe he just turns it on in the postseason, but there's times where it looks like he's laboring compared to the player he was, and I'm like, is he really, really hurt, or is he saving it right now? I think he's 70%. Okay. And then I think he's hurt a little bit. Because like, I remember think- last year, like Strom couldn't move out there understandably so with what he was dealing with and it was like oh my god strom's been terrible in the postseason you're like this is a big problem right now and you know for a guy i guess the the benefit here is guys where i'm not like just like down in the dumps about it is like they don't need kane to be a superhero in the playoffs they just need no they just need to like he he could be the last one in the zone as long as he makes the pass who cares yeah exactly so that i guess that's one that's like overthinking or um and just i mean how great like if they see jersey in round one which we just don't know yet it's looking that way like they're an incredibly aggressive team at times, and, and it's scary how much they can control the puck and, and get pucks on the net. So, I mean, they're, they're a team that they scare you, but you got to be up for the task. And with a the team they've assembled, like you, you shouldn't 
you know, just turtle and melt over it. The Rangers are a transition team, and that's why you, you see teams like Carolina and yeah, New Jersey Carolina try too. and yep. they, they clog up the neutral zone. Like, how do you beat the Rangers? You stop the long pass. You stop the transition. And that's what they're going to try and do, and that's what the Rangers are going to have to actually counteract. And Like, okay, how do we stop their counter? Uh, and I think they'll be able to do it because their talent is just more. It's just, like, who's the game breaker on Carolina? Like, it's a serious yeah. question. No, it's, and it's one they had last year going into the postseason, and it, it came to fruition that it, it kind of was an issue for them at times. And, I mean, I guess we can get into, like, the power play a little bit. It's been very streaky for how much talent they have. I guess the, the thing is, too, when you see those guys out on the ice, both units, you're like, oh, they should score at will. And sometimes they just struggle settling into the zone or they overpass. They're not or... selfish enough, Connor. Yeah, that's it. it. That's it. And maybe that'll change. Um, that'll change in the postseason as well because it has to. It has to. And it all runs through. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but it all runs through Mika Zibanejad. Like, he's the guy that shoots. And Vlad is probably number two on that. And if it's within two feet of the net, it's Kreider. But in terms, in terms of, like, actually putting pucks on net, it's all going to run through Mika. <laughs> it's yeah, just really funny you. to me that Ryan says... Yeah, it's only Mika that shoots and then lists sixty percent of the power play. And they're like, Yeah, no, Vlad, of the... Vlad, no, if you if you read... I know what you're I know what you're saying, but it's just it's funny to hear the words being like, Mika's the only one that shoots if it's not Kreider or Terrence. Well if he's in front. And, and then there's Ter- Truba who just launches new I, Truba, Truba, <laughs> I love Truba. I think there's something I think you should try Truba and Mika out there at the same time because then it becomes a little bit like uh just dudes trying to like break the will of another human being. By putting the the only problem with Truba is like it's got as much of a chance of hitting the net as it does as hitting the Empire State Building sometimes. <laughs> but I do think like imagine you're an opposing goalie and it's kind of like Fulton in the Mighty Ducks, where you just don't want to deal with that many pucks coming at you that fast. And it all I'm saying is let's maybe try. It. I don't know. Let's try. It. Uh, my I guess my like uh, looming vibes question mark is is Truba going to detonate someone in the first three games? Oh just, God, yeah, and, yeah. And who is it going to be? Jack right? Hughes. I think so too. I really do. I really, really do. And Hughes is just he's unbelievable. Like how he can protect himself at that size, and because he's such a gifted skater with gifted vision. But I mean, we know Truba sees the stars, and he's like, I'm going to line this guy up. At some point. And well, it's been, yeah. I, I, it's, I'll say this. Truba, you always have to remember, is also not just the captain, but also the shadow general manager. And he knows right. he can't, he doesn't want to lay a hit in the Jesper Brat, who has one foot outside of New Jersey already anyway. And Timo Meyer hasn't signed an extension yet either. So it has so to be the franchise player. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't want to give those guys a reason to stick around. Whereas Hughes, he's already under contract. He's already here. You can leave an impact and Hughes... We'll have to skate the rest of his days knowing that Jacob Chuba is lingering in the Madison Square Garden shadows if he ever wants to try to be the king of this fucking tri-state area. So, like, Chuba, don't rough up the guys that have one foot out the door anyway. Don't give them a reason to stay. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's coming, and I'm really curious to see. It's crazy how much the attention turned to him in that Penn series and how everything. It's not just that Crosby was out. Obviously, that was massive, but... All the attention turned to him, and I, I guys on the team probably loved that. They're like, oh, all everybody's talking about is Jacob Truba was the hit clean or not. We could just go out and play. And I think, I mean, we know Truba knows that because we saw him do it to ignite the team at times this year. And I, I just am excited to see what, what moment is it going to be early in round one. Uh, we've talked about the Rangers for 27 minutes, and we haven't talked about the pitch clock. Connor. <laughs> of course. <laughs> 
Uh, is the pitch clock one of the greatest inventions in sports, and why is it yes? I mean, I really, really like it. And I, I, is it a little fast, or are there some quirky elements to the rules? Like the getting back to base on time when they got Pete Alonso on that and called a strike on McNeil. Like, I watched a ton of spring training. I didn't even understand that rule until it actually had to happen in a regular season. There's some weird elements to it, but of course, it's just getting used to it. It's It's fantastic, though. I mean... How long can you watch a guy just continue to undo and redo his batting gloves and not step into the box? Or a pitcher need to meet with the catcher four times in the same at-bat, like Chris Bassett. My God, that was just torture. I, I, I love it. Bassett, Bassett who just got it. destroyed in his first start. I mean, uh, yeah, drives, yeah, drove me nuts. If I had to see Chris Bassett intentionally shake off pitches, even though he knows the first single that went down was the pitch that he actually wanted, uh, I'd... Like I, I can respect Chris Bassett as a highly talented pitcher, but I had more fun watching Steve Traxel pitch, and that like I just I couldn't do it anymore. Uh, Connor, we're gonna ignore whatever happened in the Met game today. They Good just uh, they 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 forfeited it. They gave him a ten nothing win. Whatever it is, what it is. Uh, was there a bigger takeaway from the first weekend of Mets baseball than Kodai Senga on Sunday? Ooh, that's tough because the Marlins, like, we just don't know what they are yet. They have young talent, but we know they're not a great team. We also know that Jazz Chisholm is not a center fielder. Oh, we learned that immediately. Good God, that was bad. I think for the Mets, it's that they are so good defensively, especially, like, you see the plays Lindor routinely makes. You see, obviously, how much better Nimmo's gotten in center field. And having the pitching when Verlander is back mixed with that defense – you don't need to be this overwhelming offensive juggernaut, but they have to be better than what they are. It does. I'll tell you this, Greg, like what I still have my eyes on, despite them starting out, you know, taking three or four in that series is what is the rope for Escobar, especially when Beatty is just, you know, going four for four with two home runs and like by like the fifth inning of his triple A games. What is the rope for Escobar? Because it's kind of this double impact of, okay, Escobar struggling again. Beatty's great. And the Mets' offense isn't really any different than last year. So when Pete and Lindor don't perform like stars during stretches, and they can't all the time, you need to get something from somewhere. And that is now on the shoulders at some point of Brett Beatty if they ever give him that opportunity. So that's the one I'm watching because, listen, when the Correa deal fell through, fair or not, whatever people think of that, the fans, the first thing they have outrage over is that this offense doesn't have enough firepower. And you can make the argument, well, maybe the firepower is sitting right there in the minor league system, but you're not using it to its full effect, or at all, for that now matter. The, ca- the counterpoint here would be actually the first point that you made, is that the defense is so good that the offense doesn't have to be that good. They don't. Brett Beatty, quite frankly, is a bit of a butcher. So, like, it's, are you adding more offense to spite your defense at that oh, point? I just think the the march, like, when you look at the gap between him, Escobar is not a good third baseman. So I, better, I don't, I don't really though. care. He is, but how much is that by right away where the offensive difference counts? And they're still going to play Guillaume his days out there, and they're going to do that. So it's interesting. I, I think that they have such a gifted infield that they would survive with Beatty at third, and it's just so clear, and I know it's so early, but... There just feels like such a higher ceiling with him offensively that it's it's going to be fascinating to see how long they can truly wait because of how respected Escobar is in that clubhouse. But at some point, it's about scoring runs and winning baseball games and, and performing. I do think I, I know that we're going deep in the weeds and Ryan's fucking loving this deep in the weeds Mets. Stuff. Sorry, I was taking a nap. What's up? <laughs> uh, I, the, I think the interesting thing when it comes to Brett Beatty's roster spot 
is it's not just is he better offensively than Eduardo Escobar, who is off to this horrific one for 16 with seven strikeout start, but it's also just roster construction because you're even if you bring up Beatty to replace Escobar in the lineup, I don't think you're DFAing Eduardo Escobar. No, no, he'll stay on the roster. This reminds me like Kraftsoff says a healthy scratch. (laughs) Yeah, oh god, that was a fun couple months. But, But then, but then like. You by if you bring up Beatty, you eliminate the thing that I think is actually Buck's favorite roster implementation, which is the just the guy on the bench who is here to run really fast all the time. Because this is the same team that brought Terrence Gore up before Brett Beatty, and now they're rostering Tim LaCastro, who I enjoy if his role is just run for Daniel Vogelback in yeah. late innings. The Jankowski, yeah, yeah. and again, Jankowski was a Met until July yep. last year, so like. The ba- it's not Beatty versus Escobar in terms of roster spot. It's Beatty versus Lo Castro, and Lo Castro is here because that is what Buck likes. And I just like to me, I and I'm not even. This isn't a criticism of Buck. I think I like it too. Like it's really fun to in a tight game essentially have a free run out there, especially when stolen base guys are the 75. percent I think was the major league average opening weekend. So like you're being encouraged to run more having guys like LaCastro makes your team deeper and more valuable and more threatening late in games. So like is I like Eduardo Escobar as a bench bat does even less for me than as my starting third baseman somehow. Here's the counter to that, which is this is not a good thing, but the predicament they're in, you look at the right-handed DH spot. I mean, it's so significantly underwhelming since the rough deal D- didn't work out with J.D. Davis. I know. Tommy it, Pham was a triple side of the cycle on Sunday. So. It's true. Horrible with rough. We'll see what Pham can do with more at-bats in their role. But as underwhelming as Escobar was last year, against lefties, he had an 817 OPS. Like, there's a right-handed DH role for Escobar sitting there. If you're still listening. Yeah, yeah. if you made it this far. So, the Leca- like, keeping an extra outfielder because he's fast, I, Buck loves that, but I don't know if it's a sustainable roster method that it's going to be fast to see how long they truly can do Connor, that. Connor, back to – I'm taking us off the Mets. Well, hold on. Yeah. My, my last Met point, because it's a funny okay. one, I, I have been enjoying just the – after Fam was a triple shy of the cycle yesterday – the reporters asked him what changed. He just goes, I got better contacts. Like, that, that's it. <laughs> like it's like Jameis Winston getting yeah, lazy. He went to an eye doctor, and now he can see. And the Mets were like, great. That's all we ever wanted. Oh I give him a puncher's chance to stay in the lineup. Uh, now that we got that joke out of the way. Connor, <laughs> last, last final thing. Um, we thought about the pitch clock, and we talked about it. We said, how do, can we do this in the NHL? And the answer is, and tell me if you think this is crazy, shorten intermission by five minutes. Oh, please. Each one. I'm begging you. I'll, I'll just, cut it by seven minutes. I, I think they could do it. And I, I know that, I hate inter- how long it is. It's freaking ridiculous. I'm know, with you. It, it, I think that's the that's the key. And drop the puck on time. Drop right? the the game's at seven. Drop the puck by seven oh one. Or not at least, drop it at seven eleven. Or at assholes. least just stop telling me the game starts at seven. Yeah, Tell me, like baseball it up seven ten puck drop. Then I know I have ten. Like do your stupid pregame introductions. Do the whole nine. The broadcast starts at seven. The game starts at seven ten. Just stop lying to me about when this game's gonna fucking start. I, I would rather do all those things and then just make three on three overtime go forever. Like, which I, I know I they'll think, never do. I think do. ten minutes. Ten minutes you could sure. do. Sure. I mean, somebody's gonna score in ten minutes and three. Ten on three. minutes, and then you do the you do the the soccer style point system. Avoid three, as many shootouts as you possibly can. Totally with you. Get rid of them. I There's would love to. With the t- the America. Oh, that's interesting. Like America's getting sacrificed. We're good with draws again. We're fine with it. All of us celebrated 
when fucking what, what we got the point against England and it was yeah. like it was the cause for national celebration. We're cool with draws again. One one USA wins. Yeah, exactly. So like we're cool. I'm, give me the three one zero point system. Make overtime ten minutes of three on three. And, and if cut if cut somehow, seven minutes off each intermission and we are cooking with yeah, gas. If, if nobody scores in a ten minute three on three, that game was meant to end in a tie. Yep. Like I, that's just it. I'm good with it. Yeah, when you have, like, Halibut out there and you're like, okay, the puck's never getting by him tonight. Like, let's just take our point if we can get it. I'm so on. happy with the, the, the tie point. It's yeah, I, I like that idea a lot. I would be fascinated to hear from the players on all of that. Like, truly. Like, do we need the longer intermission? Oh, no, we don't care at all. Like, it's just all for TV. Like, I would be really curious to hear them talk about proposed ideas. They I should do something. I wonder if I could get Vince to ask this. I think I can I mean, they have slow days before the season, right? Or I guess it would have to be. I think in the preseason now. next year we can preseason. We can kind, yeah. of, we can kind of go for it. I don't know if we're going to note this one. You down. know, you know, Gallant would give you nothing on that at all. He'd be like, no, he'd no, be no, like, no, oh, I think be... it's all fine right now. Let's just worry about the hockey. It's it like, would have great. to be anonymous players and Artemi Panarin. Yeah, Panarin <laughs> would have the best thoughts. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, he'd be like, no problem. I'm out there. Uh, Connor, why don't you give us a plug for everything you're doing, which is like 17,000. Yeah, I'll just say at Connor J. Rogers on Twitter. Yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of Mets, a lot of Jets, <laughs> a lot of football across the board, especially with it being draft month. But I, I love talking to you guys, and I'll try to get on a playback at some point soon. Although it's almost heart attack season, so you know, yes. when it's playoff time, I go into like a total shell and try to watch as many I games by myself. And, yeah, and exactly. Dumb. I don't want to be around yeah. humans. Connor, over under June 1st, Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet. Under. I think it gets done before the draft. Okay. Yeah, I think it's under. But whew, talk about a sweat. It is going to be, I think, before the draft. I think the Packers need the picks or pick. They'll get one second-round pick for this year's draft, and I think they, they have to have that. Why don't if, you just, just give up the two firsts for Lamar? No. Oh, doing? I mean, I, that was my plan A, but, yeah, it just feels like that's never going to happen. It's so, called collusion, Connor. I mean, could you imagine Rogers' it, reaction if they did that after he came out and was like, oh, I, I would love that. That'd be the best. That'd be the best McAfee episode ever. Uh, if you do need a Mets co-host, uh, let me know. Hit me up. I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> yeah, you might make it 45 <laughs> seconds into the show. <laughs> oh, this guy, man. this guy gets 12 strikeouts from Jeffrey Springs, and all of a sudden he thinks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a race fan in case you're I know I was actually yeah. just in Tampa and, and drove by that stadium this weekend uh really bad oh really really bad, bad. <laughs> yeah oh my God. I mean like you drive by and you're like that's where they play in the state really of Florida oh, who wait, thought of you, this have you ever driven by uh sun, sunrise and seen where the Florida Panthers play uh it's a, it's a no I, you know it, I feel like I had to have at some point I've been down there enough but oh, I don't is it that just, bad it's maybe I didn't swamp, even notice it swamp swamp strip mall arena for some reason swamp 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 <laughs> 45 minutes later Miami question mark? yeah I can't imagine why no one goes to either of those games <laughs> that's why and you know uh God bless the good fans of Florida. I don't blame them for not going to the Rays games, by the way. But I was praying there was the Montreal kind of move. I was like, oh, I hope this happens. Yeah, I so. know. They're actually like a competent franchise somehow in terms of, of you know, product on the field. That I, Amazing I product. Yeah, amazing product on the field. But I just, I just couldn't believe it when I walked by. Connor, you're the best band. We'll have to hang out soon. Yes. And, uh, yeah. We'll, you, yeah we'll you, soon. I will come out of uh, the dark room of watching the Rangers if you guys host like a watch party. That's we the only trying. way I'll break the rule. That's the we only are, way. We are trying. It's just this thing called the NHL doesn't give us a date. And then the bar's like, when do you want to go? <laughs> oh, is We're that like, a problem? About- <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing is emailing bars being like, hey, would love to host a watch party on either Friday or Saturday. And they're like, cool. What days? And I was like, great question. Wish yeah. I knew. 
Yeah, we used to try to do it for Jets, and you know, we we still do a preseason one, and even that's really really hard. They're just like, oh, we don't want to put the sound on because like we have other people here. Oh, it's no, like the, great. The, the bars <laughs> are all about sound up. They love us. They that's love true. Yeah, people. we go nuts. Yeah, right, they I'm they there. love having the people. The problem is like it's that moment where I'm trying to explain to somebody at one of these bars that we work with, where it's like, let me tell you how the NHL works. They've told us what day the playoffs will start, (laughs) but they haven't told us when the teams will actually play. Nightmare. Nightmare. Well, I mean, hopefully they're flexible enough that it can happen because it would be awesome. Fingers crossed for a Friday game. That one would be Fingers crossed. Connor, stay on for a minute. Thank you so much, everybody. We will talk to you guys soon. Love you guys. Transition back to the last part of the segment. All right, we're back. Quick five-star question segment. Thank you to Connor. Uh, and we will go, uh, if you want to leave a five-star question, you can go to our Patreon, subscribe, go to our chat, five-star questions for the show, leave them there. Uh, before a five-star question, I got a question up? for you. Hit me. It's a little weird that the WNBA doesn't let players come out of college early, right? Like, there's nothing, there's no reason Caitlin Clark needs to go back to Iowa for another year. Yeah, I'm with you. Yep. It okay. is weird. All right, there we go. I'm Taunt. also cool with taunting on all sides. Talk your shit. Yeah, everybody. what, what, why are you, there's some real pee babies out there. And yeah, I, every, everybody, God bless, God bless Shaq, God bless Shaq for fucking dunking on him today. Everybody can talk shit. I'm about that. That's sports, baby. Um, Wasn't it like you're fucking, you just won a national title. Caitlin Clark talked shit throughout the entire tournament and people love her for it. And now that she got it back in her face, people were like, eh. yeah, I'm not getting involved with it. Here's the thing. If you're out there and you talk shit, that's cool. Just back know it up. that. Just back it up. That we talk about this forever. You know, you and I feel very strongly about this. You could talk shit, and it's awesome. But if you don't win, you have to be able to eat the shit as well. Yep, sure do. <laughs> you if do. you yeah, talk your talk, but the, the other part of that statement is walk your walk. And it doesn't and matter you, when it is. By the way, it could be during the game, after the game, six months after the game. That person is allowed to talk shit forever. Yeah, they That's beat it. you. They flags fly forever. <laughs> That's they, it. That they don't. They technically don't need to talk shit because the banner does all the shit talking that they need to. But if they want to be the chorus behind that banner, God bless you. You won. You're the king you, or the queen. You're going to do whatever the fuck you want to do with the ring on your finger. With you. Uh, this is from Nuggies 12 uh, Did we read this last week? I know we love a shit on... No, we, we, no, we did. We did read this last one. I know we love a shit on Kane fans. Yes, okay. This is for Bradley. I was thinking about the Pens and Kane series recently, and I wanted your guys' opinion on this. Which play... Late in uh, which play late in the game of each series has a bigger impact on the series as a whole. The Heedle goal coming back against Pittsburgh, or Kako missing a wide open net against the Canes late that would have put the Rangers up NYR, uh, that would put the Rangers up 2 0 in the series. Uh, I, can probably, I tell you, I don't even remember either of them. I remember the, the Kako one, but the Heedle one, I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember. I, I don't know. I don't remember much of either. It's of a blur. The it's yeah, a blur. I, the only I remember a lot I of the really, series, but... The only thing I really remember is Barclay Goodrill going post on the penalty kill oh. in Game 3 against the Lightning. I think about that all the time. <laughs> I know, because it's just... It's the one moment... I also... I do think about the shift uh, from the boys to men line in, in the Hurricane series, There's too. There's plenty of good... Yeah. I, like, I love the Ray Ferraro, never mind. The, the, like the, the never mind is iconic. It's, it's so truly good. great. But yeah, outside of the shift and Barclay Goodrill going post, I don't think about much from last year's playoffs. I really don't. It's from David. Uh, given the events of this week, does Mika March know no bounds? McApril. Of course, it's here. It's 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 for everybody. Mika just accelerates his game in a way that is 
Um, he's so goddamn good in March. And well, it's kind of like you, Chinese citizens. That bear with me. I, I, I'm okay. Yep. Go on. <laughs> well, in order to talk about the Tiananmen Square uh, protest in oh my China, God. we didn't talk about Philip Heal's extension at the start of the show. <laughs> I forgot that happened, quite frankly. We'll talk about it with Connor. Yes. Uh, because we've definitely talked to Connor before doing this section, for oh. sure. Oh, anyway, boy. You that was me, embarrassing. You <laughs> cut me off. I was talking about Tiananmen Square. Uh, oh, yes. In order, in order for Chinese residents to talk about Tiananmen Square, um, they have to add, I think, what is it? Is it add days to May because it happened in June? Like, if you search the specific day when the protest and, and everything that happened afterward in China, it's blocked. You can't access it. So the way they've worked around is by just extending the month before. And I think that's what we should do with Mika. I say we hold a protest. March Tiananmen Square. March 31st. 34th. Yeah. There you Got go. it. Uh, this is from Jets Rangers 1. With the Heatle extension being done and announced in March, I have a I very... Think we've talked about it in detail. Yeah, of course. Well, if you had BSBOT, you'd know like there's a 25-minute episode about it. But I know that everybody has that, so we do have to mention it with Connor. Um, and now it's in March. I have a very important question. Will Greg take take back his F off to me question from a few weeks back? I could answer this for you. He will not. Yeah, I'll go one step further. Fuck no. Uh, I just <laughs> like, I don't care. The Rangers could have had this deal done and put it in a drawer for four months. And the speculation could have been out there from the insiders uh, everywhere else. And you guys could be asking questions like, what do you think the heel extension is? And my answer would have been, it's not that fucking important. Like, win a goddamn cup. It'll be important when we get to the summer. And it was important for the 25 minutes. We talked about it on BSBOT last oh. week. But for the purpose of this show, it was so unimportant that we didn't even mention it in the open. That's how it seemed. <laughs> we have to talk about it with Connor. Because we all we did talk about it with Connor. Uh, this is from Jay White 18011 I know you probably will talk about this later or often. But if the Rangers-Devils series, but in a Rangers-Devils series, which player's next factor is it? Why is it Vlad Tarasenko? Glad you mentioned this. We did talk about it earlier in the show. Uh for every reason Greg talked about. The last question. It's from Nick D. How much of the Rangers looking better in the second and third period was on the Rangers actually playing better, and how was it because the Devils decided to turtle and ride it out? I I think it could be. I I don't think these are mutually exclusive. I think the Rangers started playing better, which forced the Devils to change their style of play, which, again, is why I'm fairly confident that if the Rangers are playing like we believe the New York Rangers can play like, the Devils aren't going to just be able to run them out of a building. I don't think the Devils started to turtle, which allowed the Rangers to get back into the game. I think the Rangers forced themselves back into that game, which changed how the Devils played the game and how the Devils wanted to be comfortable in the game. I I, I think one led to the other, but it's not the order that makes you think, oh, I just think the Devils weren't, the Devils started to play not to lose, but the New York Rangers were playing to win. And it's like, both things can be true simultaneously. Uh, that is it for five-star questions. Thank you for submitting those. We will probably have a plethora and a much longer section in the future because the playoffs are coming and shit is going to get crazy. Uh, you have not watched WrestleMania yet, so we won't spoil anything. But I, I know what the big results were. So I, okay. I'm not, the only one I don't know is I, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens versus the Usos. I don't know... How that ends, yeah. how it goes. I don't know how... Like, people talk about all the time of how hard it is to avoid spoilers. Um, I have avoided this perfectly. I don't know. I just... I haven't heard a peep. 
you know you know what happened at the end though with uh with Cody. I know and... who I know who wins with Reigns and uh Cody. So spoiler alert moving forward, we are gonna talk for two minutes about WrestleMania at the end. Here we go. So I also I also do believe I know who wins Rhea and Charlotte. Got it. Uh so Cody loses to Reigns here. Uh I think it was partially because they're selling the company, the UFC, which I have a lot of thoughts about in the first place. Uh, well, boy. I think I, I honestly, I think the decision has less to do with the sale and more to do with the fact that just like it's still a better story if Roman has the belts. It's way better, yeah. uh, and I, I so I know Cody was minus eight hundred to win, which by the way, Rob stole that money from everybody because it's written, mm-hmm. and apparently it was decided weeks ago that Roman was going to win, which it's still it's still way better. He's a way like I don't know why Cody Rhodes is a great story. Maybe you could explain it to me. I I read a bunch of stuff about like, but he came from AEW. He came in. I know he ripped his pack. I know he's got the WWE legacy, all that stuff. But Roman is the WWE. Like you have to keep it on him at least for so now. I, I I get why Cody's a big deal in wrestling circles for sure. Me too. Um, oh yeah. And I understand the importance. Like part of part of the fascinating storytelling that they've been building up to this match is like how important Dusty was for Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman yep. and everything about that. Um, I just, I I don't think it was the right time to take the belts off Roman. I think, I think there needs to be more internal chaos within the, um, the tribe before we remove the belts from Roman. Like, I just, I don't think we're done telling the chief of the head of the table story yet where like i don't think roman should be chasing titles just yet i think there needs to be more chaos underneath before we get to this point and cody i I, listen he came back at the rumble he hasn't been back that long this is like think of how long they've been telling the tribal chief story three years yeah, Three so years. four months was going to just be like, all right, well, now we can conclude this. No, problem. and I think I, this is just my personal opinion. And I want to get this on the record. Like, Rollins has to get involved. He has to get back. I, yeah, I, I I honestly think it's it would have been too chaotic to end that storyline during the sale of the company. Like, that, you don't – the last thing a new president of a company like WWE wants on day one – is a completely clean slate. Yeah, I know they're going to keep Nick Khan around. Yeah, they'll keep Triple H too. Mm-hmm. Um, As they should. Yeah, because they're telling a great story. To me, if I were Endeavor, I either want this story to go to SummerSlam or, quite frankly, next year's Mania. Yep. And I can't. And last thing, because then we got to get to uh, the end of the show. Definitely not to an interview with Connor. Uh, it can't be The Rock beating him. Like you can't have The Rock come back and beat him. That's not how no, this works. No, I, I I will say though, my God, if they could somehow get Moxley back. They can't. They can't. And nor would he want to. I think he's living no, he's he's living his firmly entrenched with AEW. Um I I think you have to get Rollins involved somehow. Rollins uh, has to be back in it. He's the only person I think that can legitimately beat him right now. Uh I think Zane can too. Quite Zane's frankly. fine. Zane's fine. But I'm I, I'm fine with either. But that's that's it. Like Cody wasn't doing it. It had it has to be Rollins or Zane. Yeah, and I, I again like this is why the whole – we actually talked a lot about gambling on wrestling during the Friday stream um, with Tom and Joe. Mm-hmm. I, I, how we got there, Ryan, I don't entirely know. But this is exactly why gambling and betting on pro wrestling would be so complicated because the best result from WrestleMania, when the odds were so heavy on Cody Rhodes, you had to keep Roman with the belts. 
Because that's the only, that's not just one way to advance the story. It just keeps everyone else guessing like, well, shit, now I really don't know what's about to happen. So like, imagine if they had to submit the winner of this match three weeks ago to Ernst and Young. And then that, that's it. That, that's who it has to be because yep. you put it in an envelope. That's why, like, I, I can't rewrite it. Yeah, I'm super fascinated how uh, we get to the actual gambling on wrestling, but I'm not, I'm not sure I were there. And since I, you're doing a great job not telling me who won Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn's, I'll figure that out later tonight. I do want your take. I'm sure we talked Mets with Connor again because the interview's already done. So yeah, I know we, that we definitely did it. Yeah, uh, Ray's first weekend question mark. How are you feeling? Oh man, team's sick. It's uh, Wonder Franco looks like looks like the real deal again. The pitching staff is legitimate. And it seems like uh, they can actually hit singles, which is what they were good at without the shift. So, very excited. Uh, and a question I asked Connor, but it's worth repeating here again because the interview is already done. Yes, the pitch clock. I, I love it. I'm dying to think of a hockey tweak that would be as impactful as the pitch. I clock. I think we nailed it last week. Let's talk about it with Connor. We already talked. We talked about it with Connor though already. We thought <laughs> we did the uh, shortening the intermissions. I yeah. think it's, we nailed it. We nailed it. All right, let's uh, let's end the show here because <laughs> we're not going to record the interview with Connor right now. Uh, we'll be back next week. You can follow me on Twitter at Orion Mead, where I still have my check mark for some reason. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break, and we'll talk to you guys later. Love you, bye. Hey, it's the end of the show, so I want to thank our NHL Insider Club members before we end the show here, as I do every single week. These are the people that keep our show going, and I read their names and mispronounce them every week to thank them. Adam Cassie, Adam Cohen, Adam Cortulo, Adam Linder, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Gardner, Amber Cohensberger, Andrew Rahner, Anthony Monturo. Someone's just honking their horn incessantly outside my house. Anthony Monturo, I said that already. Anthony Tiergata, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bill Allison, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lacos, Brandon Magnum, Brett Granger, Brett, Mc- Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Chris Finelli, Chris Howard, CJ Selwyn, Conrad Benemish, Daniel Delaney, Daniel Dezen, David Aaron, David Siegel, Dennis Dice, Darian, Eric Stagg, give Gardner a cup, Garrett Rainis, Greg. Gregory Gretzky, McFly, Jesus, Ryan, Hayak, 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 waivers happened before Ryan watched Miracle, Harrison Hasco, HipHip89, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jack Bagley, James Masker, Jerry and Marquez, Jason Zabransky, JD, John Joak, Francois, John Jean, Jimmy Max, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Keshtabob, Christopher Florida, Christoph Berg, Leshik, Leshik Gronowski. Okay, get back in the flow, Ryan. Libra's Kayak. I love how much Libra love Libra gets. I wonder if we ever see him again. Lou Giordano, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kahn, Meatball the Cat, Mike Bucklaw, Mike Mancuso, Mike Pasternak, Nate Hanafy, Neil Grover, Nicholas DiNicola, Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel Kojarev, PJ Sparrow, Pro World Gamer, Randy Tester, Stig Bull Box, Weingard, Tog, Seamus. Seamus. Why did I say Seamus? I'm very bad. The Drop BK, Tommy Seclary, Tom uh, Tadishi, Tommy O'Neill, Victoria from Manhattan, Vinny, Vinny Bronco, Vinny Hayable, Spectre, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. I am ready for the playoffs. Please, get here. Fix the power play. Score like 16 power play goals. And let's get here. Give me the first round. I need it now. We'll be back later this week with BSBOT, where we'll tell you not to freak out if the Rangers win or lose, or we'll tell you to celebrate a little bit less because these games don't matter. We love you guys. Talk to you soon.